Shut up and sit down. Yes, might have gotten away with it too. It wasn't for these blasted kids and their dog. Riding my bike. Riding my bike. You blasted kids. You are listening to the Dialed Podcast with Matt Lee Grand, Evan Price, Lance Hepler, and Jake Von Turing. Obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. We could ride together. And I would have made millions if it hadn't been for you meddling kids. We could put our bikes down, but that And I'd have done it too if you kids hadn't come along. Things nice when I'm riding my bike. Riding my bike. Riding my bike. Everything's fine when I'm riding my bike. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? For bicycling is a healthy, active sport, enjoyed by almost everyone. Not only does it provide vigorous outdoor exercise, it's a nice, fast way of getting from one place to another. Hi, and welcome back to the Dial Podcast. I'm Jake Fondering, and I'm here by myself, for the most part. Evan will be back in here with us a little bit later on. But uh, today we're going to do things a little bit differently. Uh, Matt and Lance are um, kind of away on vacation right now, and we do have a little topic that we wanted to talk about. It's about an article that's... Uh, a little bit old. It's been around for a couple of years, but I think it's kind of relevant to things that are going on in the world today, and, you know, the Olympics and road racing and just racing in general. And with all of you athletes out there, it might be a good question to ask yourself. So on that note, let's start by giving Matt a call. What's up? What's up, Mr. Matt? It's Jake from what the Dow Podcast. Like, What's up, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> How you doing, bud? Not bad. How good, are you? good, good. Where are you at? I am just north of Sacramento, California, in a town called Woodland. Oh, nice. How's the weather down there? Hot. Yeah, I can imagine. It's supposed to be like 100 and, 105 or something today. Yuck. So, yeah. Yep. Well, we're spread out all over the country, so we're doing something different this week. And I am going to be asking you a question, and I'm just kind of curious to know what your response is. Um, there's an article that came out, and it's kind of in line with some stuff that he's been saying for a while, but... Um, you know who Phil Guyman is, right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely cool. He's got an article that just came out in Bicycling Magazine, and the, the title is, Being Fast is Pointless, I Would Know. And I'm curious, Matt, do you agree with that? I haven't read the article, but... <laughs> I guess uh, I could have shared that with you, but... Um, no, 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 no. Yeah. But this is a good question, because there's different, like, angles, right? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, being fast, is being fast pointless? Well, no, there's lots of great things about being fast, like just being able to ride with a group of people and being able to move around that group more comfortably when you're fast. Yeah. There's just huge benefits. I even remember basically when I became faster or became one of the faster riders in one of the group rides that, you know, I used to do, which is like this beaches ride. I remember just like hanging on for dear life in like a pace line. And then the next year after like a winter of solid training, being able to, whenever I wanted to go to the front and be able to push the pace. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's just so much safer to be able to do that and to have control. Whereas when you're hanging on for dear life and you're just hanging on a wheel, yeah, you're getting faster. You're getting good experience. At the same time, it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So 
I think there's value to being faster, you know. Gotcha. I think that if if Phil were to ride with, you know, our group, you know, like a flogging ride or something like that, he would say, oh, yeah, like I am faster than this, this group of people and it's safer because you're faster. Yeah, you can keep the so this, riffraff away. Yeah, so that's one value of being faster and there are more, I'm sure. Uh, but... I think his point probably was along the lines of like, so you get to the, you know, certain location three minutes faster. Like it doesn't matter, you know, and whether you're pedestrian cruiser, you know, wearing your high tops and cruising around or you're wearing, you know, skin tight suit with an aero helmet, like, come on, like there's just, there's not that huge benefit to it. Yeah, you just kind of have to so ask I definitely yourself. Think there's different angles. Yeah, you're going to be fast, but at what cost? And he did make a point there, just to kind of go back to your original point, was you only need to be fast enough to safely enjoy the rides that you do. And yep. that's a really good point, yeah. you know, just to be able to, you know, not cause commotion, not be able to, you know, be able to keep up and not do dumb things. It's it's a good, valid point, so. But a lot, yeah. of, a lot of the other things that he delves into is things like, you know, your diet. You know, you're probably doing things at a detriment to being able to fully enjoy your life. We're only on this planet for one go around. Um, you know, and right. if you're just solely like committed to like a, a perfect diet, you know, there's probably some stuff there that, you know, you would do differently. and You're just not fully enjoying life. I mean, I don't know if that's like a, at a cost to your health, but, um, you know, there's stuff in the, the diet part of things that he's getting into that makes it a little bit different. Like, you know, that he missed out on a lot of like, you know, fun experiences that he could have had that um, right. he didn't necessarily get to do because he was, you know, striving yeah. to get to a, you know, a world-class level. Um, his and health, that's tricky because there's yeah. two sides of the coin there where it's like, Hey, had he not dieted, he might not be yep. on some team that goes to the grand tour and this experience, experience of going on this grand tour might be really enjoyable. Maybe it wasn't, yeah. but I mean, I'm sure he got to see parts of the world that all these other people don't get to see. Whereas, you know, yeah, he maybe missed a glass of wine, but like it's an all, you know, all in all, it's not the biggest yeah. deal. He was at a certain level where he was a climber at the pro level and they do really starve themselves oh, a good bit. And so hundred percent. that's, that's tough. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like you and I both enjoy like a glass of wine, especially if you're like camping or on a date with your wife or all these things. And it would be pretty sad state to be like, Oh, you know, I have to have a salad at this restaurant and I not definitely not going to have a glass of wine or whatever it is. Yeah. But I also think that you and I are probably past our, past our point of, you know, wanting to be that crazy competitive. So yeah, well, there's still a little bit of that. I want to be the local hero, oh, yeah. I guess, to a certain degree. But it, it, when it's all said and done, it's more about just having fun at this point in, of the game. Exactly. Um, how about like the health re- or the health aspect of it? Like just taking into consideration as a professional cyclist, um, how much he's missing out on just because he's on the bike so much. When you start getting into like some of the the non weight bearing aspects of cycling and the loss of like bone density or you know in muscle imbalances or things of that nature. What about that? I think that the pro Peloton has figured out that, you know, occasionally running or something like that, they, they're aware of the risk mm-hmm. at this point. And I think that they are, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think that they're aware of the risks now. And I think they're taking steps to mitigate the, the real like problematic things that people really had 10 to 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, 
like I think Team Ineos was like running on their like going for like long runs on their training camp. Yeah, like, that's Smart. crazy. That's well played. Yeah, and his recommendation was you know consider stopping at some point in time during your day or your workout week and you know implement things like yoga and some core work and stretching and you know or just kicking a ball with your kids. You know, just being physically active and, and having that, that yeah. load on the body. Cool. Um, sleep. You know, one of the things that he said that was kind of different or difficult was um, having to you know set your alarm and get up early in the morning to go do a training session at the expense of losing out on sleep because you're not getting enough of it. And the, you're going out and you're training, but you know it's kind of counterproductive because you're not giving your body the chance to fully recover because you're you know minimizing the, the amount of sleep that you're supposed to be getting when you're out training for 30, 40 hours a week. I'm guessing that pro athletes are doing a better job of sleeping, even if they are hitting their alarm early, when you compare them to parents of young children, you know? Sure. Or so, what, what about the likes of a, a guy that we know by the name of Evan Price, who yeah, uh, likes to get up early in the morning and train, and then he's working 60-hour weeks, and then he's training some more, and then trying to be a little bit social to boot? I mean, do you think Evan gets enough sleep? I don't know his metrics, but I'm guessing he doesn't. But, you know, it's one of those things where he's reached this kind I mean, and I could be wrong, but it seems like he's reached this happy, like, medium with his, you know, training versus, like, life balance. Yep. And I feel like he's got it figured out. And, like, what, my recommendation for him would be, like, if this is working, stick with it as long as possible because – you're going to have a one-year-old baby at some point and you know, this schedule's not going to work. Sure. Right. Where it's like, but if it's working now, yeah, like, but, but for him, it, man, let it roll. What if we said, okay, Evan, all of a sudden you don't have to work 50, 60 hours a week, maybe more like 15 to 20 hours so that you can maybe yeah. get the optimal amount of training that you need, but the optimal amount of rest and re recovery where he can actually get his legs up and relax. He's not doing that. Yeah. Well, I think it's tricky. I mean, I think, you know, it's, sometimes the more time you give and you know, you, the more time that you have like spare time gets like wasted away versus like when you have to schedule every minute, you're like, Oh man, I got 10 times things, you know, 10 things more done that I wouldn't have done mm -hmm. if this was like a Sunday, right. Where it's like the only thing I got done were like getting ready for my Monday or, you know, whatever it is. I think sometimes being busy ends up being good, but at the same time, like it would be, nice for Evan to kind of say like, Oh, you know, I have, I keep the same schedule. I'm just getting an hour extra of sleep per day, yeah, you know, yeah. or something like that, where it was just like scheduled in. All right. So that kind of plays into the next one, which is time. Um, pretty much he's saying that everything that you do comes at the cost of something else that you could be doing. Yep. I, I, that resonates really well with me. I'm, I think I'm an okay dad. I'm not, not the best, not the worst. You know, I think I'm an okay dad, but I, I think about this sometimes like when I like start to add in the, the, the notion of, all right, I have this work schedule that I'm keeping. I have this training schedule that I want to keep. And there's these things that I want to do because I yeah. still think I have the capacity. And then you take a look at your week and how busy you get and how much time's left over and how tired you are. I'm like, there's a lot of time that I should be spending doing more stuff with my kids because that time is precious and I don't want to miss out on that. So if I were to try and train more to get even faster, that would really come at a detriment to my relationship with my family. And that's something that I don't want to do. So that's, that's probably why you don't see me out there putting those ridiculously long 15, 18, 20 hours that say Lance is putting in. However, he's at a different station in that his kids yeah. are all gone. He's retired. He has the time. 
I'm not there yet, but um, you know, it would be nice. But I, I just don't think that I can, you know, sacrifice that. How about you? What do you think there? Yeah, I mean, it's kind I of rhetorical, but you and I are more in a similar like kid life, family balance problem, yeah. right? Where it's like every single second of every single day can and is filled with stuff that you should be doing, right? Yeah, and so, and I mean, it's just like. The second that you wake up, like, okay, well, I need to, whatever, clean the kitchen, like, get the laundry. Like, there's just, there's a thousand things, right? And yeah. it's like, all of that stuff gets pushed back or pushed off because you want to go to your bike ride. And, you know, it's, it's like totally fine and reasonable to try to figure out this balance. But there's always some work that should be being done. And whether it's home, you know, work it from home or work, like, work, work, there's just an infinite amount of stuff. Like, I, I just think about projects like computer yeah. work project kind of stuff all the time. And I'm like, yep. every day I don't finish the stuff that I'm supposed to do yeah. every single day. Yeah. It's like, like this past weekend was the first couple of days that I'd taken off in probably like almost three weeks. It's just been super busy, like going seven days a week, doing yeah. different stuff and yada, yada, but it's fun. But I, I purposely took the week off so yeah. that we could do different things. And on Sunday was our wedding anniversary. And my wife and I, That's you know, we, we did all the usual stuff, you know, like going to Home Depot and yard work and all that other fun stuff. But there was a moment of time where we were sitting on the couch and she's sitting there just like totally relaxing, kind of like scrolling through and looking at different things, reading stuff. And I'm sitting there kind of fidgeting. She's like, what's wrong? I'm like, no, nothing. And then I didn't want to like have her feel obligated to go with me, but I just got up and, and left the room. But I actually went upstairs and folded, I think it was like two or three loads of laundry just because I felt like I needed to be getting yeah. stuff done. And, you know, you yeah. Know, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying there. Cool. Yeah. Um, and so I just think that like there are times where whether you're kind of younger, maybe potentially, or, you know, your just life balance is just different than where we are currently. Sure. Like I do think that this is one of the busiest times of life. I do think that like, when we retire or when our kids are older and they're gone, like they, there won't be quite as much stress. I could be wrong though. Yeah. It might just be like, Nope, things are always going to get busier and busier. Yeah. It just, that might be the case. I just have no idea. <laughs> we'll find out in due time. It's not too far away. Right. Right. Cool. Yep. All right. And so the last one, let me double check. Uh, actually two more real quick ones. Um, risks, taking risks to be faster. And this is where I'm going to like stare at Lance Hepler. You know, he always says that yeah. uh, <laughs> he, he's, he's lived a good life and he's the one that will go bombing down anything at the risk of being faster than everybody else. But, um, you know, Phil alludes to like remembering back when he was in the pro Peloton and he's losing contact with the front group on a climb. And then he basically threw everything out the window and just absolutely bombed down the hill a hundred percent to go catch up to that group. Yeah. And if you think about it, like, all right, well, yeah, you're trying to win, you're being competitive, you're trying to earn a paycheck and all that stuff, but at what cost? Do you think taking risks is worth it? No, I don't. I don't think it's worth it at all. I mean, part of me is like every time you sit, you know, sit on the bike, it's like a huge risk that is, you know, I've talked about this in some of the videos that I've posted where it's like, there's just like this huge risk that you're going to not be able to pick up your baby kid anymore. And it's like, it's just never going to be worth it. You know, True. at the same time we do it because we love it. And I think that it's just this huge spectrum where it's like, you know, yeah, like it's, um, it's fun to bike. It's something that we do. It's something that bonds us with our friends. That is super important to us. We need to recognize that there is real value there mm -hmm. at the same time. The risk is extreme. And when it comes to things like descending, I've slowed down a ton because you start to see like how close you are to crashing all the time. Whereas when you're yeah. newer to cycling, I think when you're newer to cycling, you just don't notice it as much. 
uh, you're like, yeah, that was a crazy descent. We went super fast. That was fun. And you don't think like, oh, you know, one, you're one rock away. I mean, Lance, speaking of Lance, like we're, you're one rock away from, you know, breaking your back or, or whatever, you know, I yeah. think he came away pretty well with the hip injury that he had, but like, you know, it's just, it's so scary, those descents. And I think that I've slowed down a lot on my descents. That being said, it's so easy in a race scenario to just get lost and be like, and, and even in Ironman races where I'm racing Whistler or whatever, I'm pretty much going to go hard and go down because race mentality is different. And I find myself being like, Hey, this is, this is a race. This is a competition. Yeah. If it's training, it's training. If it's training, yeah, who cares how, I mean, you can get off and walk your bike down the hill, but at the same time, it's like you're, you know, training is one thing racing. If you're racing competitively, I don't know. I just think you kind of have to go for it a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy though. Like I, I agree with you, but something happens in the moment. There's a switch that just turns off in our yep. brain and we just go yep. dumb and just absolutely um, start bombing down yep. stuff. And you'll go back and you'll look at your ride profile and like, really, I hit 56 miles an hour going downhill on that, on my road bike that could have had a flat tire, could have, something could have failed. Oh, yeah. Some could have, a yeah, rabbit yeah. could have run out in front of me. I mean, whatever, but I don't know. In the moment, it's still exhilarating. It's still one of those things where it's like, ah, oh, this is such a good time, but um, maybe that's just something we need to start being a little bit more mindful of. Would you have any words of wisdom for Mr. Lance Hepler when he listens to this? Uh, he won't listen to me. I mean, <laughs> but at the same time, I would love to see, you know, him be careful descending. I just, you know, I just don't. I, okay, so here's the thing. He's like made peace with like, hey, if he has a bad crash, like, you know, he's good in his life scenario. And that I totally respect that. At the same time, it's like, well, what about us? Like, we would be upset if you hurt yourself and can't ride anymore. And I know that seems trivial, but like it is. Like, I, I really do want him to be, you know, careful on the bike because we want to ride with him. So, gotcha. I don't know. And then the last bit was just recovery. Um, even if it's just for fun, you need to recover. And he's just thinking that maybe people aren't recovering enough or you just you're breaking yourself down so much that you're not doing a good job of recovery. And so the long-term effects there could be problematic. Any thoughts on that? Well, um, I think that it's hard because, like, I firmly believe in, like, fairly large amount of volume for training does make you a better athlete. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't think people recognize how much volume it takes to be good. Yep. Um, but I think that the, the thing that you learn or should learn is like, Hey, when is this injury different? And that's when you need to start ignoring volume and be like, okay, don't try and pile on volume or don't try to quickly ramp up volume and don't try to race yourself back from an injury because that's when yep. you get some of those, I think, long-term permanent damage. Yep. That's I, just a theory for me oh, those are uh, with points. my whole Achilles thing where yep. it's like, had I, had I think, I think this, like if I had just given myself more rest and not rushed back to higher volume, that I think that potentially the Achilles stuff might not even be an issue. Who knows? Good points. Good points. It's a theory. It's a theory. Cool. Well, so to answer the question then, is being fast pointless? Would you agree or disagree with that? I think I'll still stick with disagree if I'm put on the spot. And I and it's one of the things where it's like yes or no. I think that Phil's like argument is is different, right? Where he is like, here's a whole bunch of points where, you know, that are all valid. Here's a whole bunch of points that are all very valid on yeah. why it's not important to be fast. That being said, like 
you could just make another article that's the exact opposite. In fact, still should do this where it's like, here, well, here's why being fast is, you know, excellent. You know, and we yep. talked about a lot of this where it's just like, you know, you are training at that certain level. You are getting to experience traveling and all these things you wouldn't get to experience otherwise. And you are in some ways safer when you're on these group rides, when you are stronger, like there's just all these little tick, tick, tick things that, you know, would counter argue what he's suggesting there. And that's okay. I just think that it's for him. I think it's like, these are two fun articles that you could write and they would be contradictory and that would be perfectly fine. But he made his points, and I think they're all extremely valid points. Do I sense a, a YouTube video coming up from Mr. Matt Legrand that might uh, touch <laughs> on this? <laughs> you, do, um, you do talk about a lot of stuff that helps make you faster, helps uh, quantify how fast you actually are. Yeah, I don't have any plans to make anything like that. That would be fun for sure. You know, um, I would want to, I don't know, I, I, I would want to have some sort of more detailed arguments on like, you know, like if you are whatever, 5% faster then you have the option to do this and this and this versus if you're, you know, I think you just need some more quantifiable like information there. So maybe. Could be a nice little counterpoint. Yep. Cool. Speaking of videos, anything coming down the pipeline from uh, your channel? Yes. I am currently working on a video that's I don't know exactly what the title is going to be, but it's going to be something like the Garmin 530, Garmin Edge 530 versus the Wahoo Element Bolt version 2. I've got it pretty much finished. I'm just kind of dropping in some, you know, kind of B-roll footage. And um, I would love it if that was live tomorrow. Could be the day after. Vacation stuff is tricky. Ah, feel you. Cool. All right, my friend. We look forward to you coming back into town. When will we see you? Are you going to be here next week? I'm coming back into town this weekend, so okay. hopefully I'll be around, you know, Saturday afternoon and Sunday. Uh, but yeah, so hopefully we'll be around. Sounds good. Can do. Yeah, maybe we'll hit yep. you up for a ride or something. Cool. We'll That'd travel. Be amazing. Travel safe, bud. We'll talk to you soon. And thanks for your time, Matt. All right. Later. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. All right. So as I've said, all the guys are out of town with the exception of myself and Evan, but Evan's, uh, he's a massive workhorse. He's out there working with the people, making the the world a healthier place and uh, fixing broken parts and pieces. I was able to snag him for 10 or 15 minutes to sit down here and talk. Evan, it's been a minute since you've been on the podcast. I thought, I thought we were going to pretend like I was actually out of town or something like that. It looks like somebody wanted to call that us. Was there. A call. Sorry there about you that. go. Yeah. That, that was Matt. We'll pretend like that was Matt. <laughs> it might actually have been Lance. So Lance, I think that was Lance. Lance actually. Tells you, I'll call you back in a Lance, you're third in line today. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lance is waiting in line for something right now, isn't he? Like he, actually waiting at, in line? He's at Disney World, and we're going to talk to he's him. He's literally at Disney World. Right exactly. <laughs> while he's waiting in line for some ride. Uh, it's a small world, Lance. Yep. <laughs> cool. So today, um, we are going to talk about this little article that came out in Bicycling Magazine. It was, a, it was a while back. It wasn't recent. It was back on December 12th of 2019. It's oh, been actually, it's yeah. been around for a minute, but it, it got recycled recently. It, it did. It kind of hit the news yeah. again, and it just touched on on some points that I thought were kind of relevant. And I wanted to ask you guys what your thoughts were. And the question he is saying, or not saying, the the, the statement that he's saying is, "Being fast is pointless." I would know. And my question to you is, do you agree with that? You know, it's it's. I have a I have a hunch as to why this is recycling right now. I think, and this is when we're recording this, this is actually the day after, I think, Simone Biles pulled out of the uh, Olympic team event in, the gy- in, in gymnastics. Correct. It was yesterday. And and I think Simone's the highest profile of this. But I think if you look at the last couple of years, you can find a few examples of elite athletes really struggling 
mentally, how, how, however you want to put it, mentally, physically, how, however. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's a reason this got recycled recently. And I know it came up before the Simone Biles thing, but yeah. this is, this is a very relevant topic right now. Yeah. And I don't agree with Phil, but I bet if we sat down and talked about it, I'd probably agree with most of the same points. I think Phil Guyman's interesting. With Phil Guyman is very good at getting people to click on things. Yep. That's why his YouTube channel is successful. That's why he's a likable guy. I like the guy. I'm sure we would disagree on a lot of things, but I like the guy. Yeah. But I do think he likes to push buttons, and I know what he's trying to say here. Do I agree that being fast is pointless? No, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, As a blanket in, statement, no. In the same respect, too, he got to go do all these things. He got to go be fast. Yes. He got to go race on the the pro continental. He wouldn't the think they're pointless if you really talked to him in the moment. <laughs> he got to experience those things, and he's still out crushing KOMs and doing the whole thing. And and he yeah. has to be fast. But there are certain things that we'll, we'll, we'll touch on mm-hmm. here in just a minute that he touches on that I think make a whole heck of a lot of he, sense. He makes a lot of good points in this so, article. Yeah. Um, another good point of um, somebody that might have made the right steps and we may have not questioned him, but like, why are you doing this right now? You're in the, 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 the prime of it. You're like, you're one of the best in the world is Tom Dumoulin. He took yep. time yes. away to, to yes. kind of focus on... In the cycling world, that's probably why this recycled. Yeah. yeah. And he's coming back around. Oh, he's starting to race yeah. again and he's, yep. he's kind of found his center. So... Yep. Um, I, I think there's a generational argument here that I hear, and this is just with go, going back to Simone Biles, because I'm, I always try my very best to see both sides of every discussion sure. with this. But I think the problem generationally that I'm just going to say the, I'm part of the younger generation, so I'll say, let's yeah. say the older generation needs to realize here, and this is more past Gen X, this is a little bit older. Yes, those were very, very tough generations. They didn't have the hyper-concentrated focus that these sports have now. Back in the day, Eddie Merckx could go and win a sprint stage, a climbing stage, race, train a little bit, race, train a little bit. The guy's training was racing, basically. Yeah. Nowadays, these races have become these hyper-focused events. Guys come in and peak. They taper for them. They're pressure cookers. So when you're talking about somebody like Tom Duhlman, who's at that level for so long, that is incredibly mentally fatiguing. Be- beyond the physical fatigue, which is obvious. Yeah. The mental fatigue from this is really, really significant. Is that very something you think you can speak to right now? You, I am not Tom Dumoulin, but yes, I am but very still, mentally fatigued. Yeah, you're <laughs> not racing on a world tour team and all that other stuff. But Evan, you work more than anybody I know, or you're up there. You know, maybe I know not, people who work more than me, but yeah, that's yeah, but, you being one of them back but, here. But, yeah. you know, when we talk about the work, though, I'm thinking about yeah. cumulatively because you yeah. are a professional triathlete. You do win or get some sort of support financially for that. So we're going to mm-hmm. call that as part of your work. You're physical yeah. therapist and a pro triathlete. When you add up the hours per week that you are training with the hours per week that you are working, you blow everybody out of the water. I'm sorry. It's it, it's a lot right now. I'm very lucky to have people around me that let me do those things. But I, I will say this year has been a real realization to me is there there is a limit to what you can quote unquote grind through. I think, you know, there was, I was talking with one of my friends about this who, um, you know, owns a clinic out on the, uh, East coast and is awesome guy. And is that guy when people look at him from the outside and would say like, sure. God, I wish I could be this guy. Oh, he kills all the time. He's doing this. He's running CEU courses over the weekend. He's running his clinic. He's doing all this. He had some, and, and I know he's okay with me sharing this because we've talked with friends is he had some serious burnout issues Oh yeah, this last year. Very, like, scary mental burnout issues. And I think it's good when you look at these top-level guys, too. And I'm not saying me and this guy are top-level by any means, but there's, there is a point where the expectation becomes internal and it's actually not what people expect around you. 
And that's when it gets a little scary. And I realized that for myself was I was expecting myself to do all these things and do them well. Mm -hmm. And it's okay sometimes to sit down and say, I need to, you know, get, get out of shape for a little bit, or I need to be lazy for a second, or I need to not do this just so that you don't crest over that burnout. And I don't know what that cresting over the burnout looks, but I've seen people get there and it's not a good place to be. I've seen very healthy people have heart attacks and strokes. Yeah. And that's, and that's scary. And it is. So I think it's for, for people like Guyman, probably in this hyper-focused professional cycling world, Tom Dumoulin, Simone Biles, I'm sure we could find multiple other examples. I think Kevin Durant was there a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. If everybody remembers when Kevin Durant was kind of having that breakdown too, I think there's at that very top level, we live in a hyper-focused society. Yeah. Sometimes I think being the best is pointless because it gets to the point when it's your health or being the best, that's when you got to make that decision. Gotcha. Okay, so let's jump into the article. Let's touch on some of the points that um, he kind of alludes to, and I just kind of want to get some of your feedback. Um, with respect to this, you know, being fast thing, um, being pointless, like if you will. Diet first. The, the diet. <laughs> Can you talk about the diet? Is is that like for you? <laughs> we, we always talk about the Swedish fish and potato my diet, chips my and diet gets pizza. Made fun. Yeah. But is that something that would be different for you, or do you think that that's I, a... I have a very consistent diet. Even even Cassie would agree with me that, that, that I have a pretty consistent diet. And so for, for me, I've never been somebody who really stresses about the diet. When I was younger, maybe I did. When I was getting into triathlon and I felt like I was a bigger guy in the sport... Um, over the last few years, I'm not a bigger guy in the sport anymore. I've, I've shredded myself down to what I would say is not actually that healthy of a weight. I could probably put on 10, 15 pounds of muscle and be a much healthier person. Sure. But with the diet, I've always been very consistent as to what I eat. Is it super healthy all the time? No, because I don't want to take in the extra stress of that. Let me ask you a question then. If you were to be able to be fully sponsored, fully supported, yeah. 100% everything, didn't have to work a full-time job, and you're going to go out and you're going to really try and push your body to the next yeah. level, how does your diet change? Uh, it changes a lot. I would be cooking quite a bit more. Um, Cassie, for sure, would be like, you're cooking for yourself, bud. There's no way I'm doing this for you. But um, I would definitely have uh, I would have a bigger focus on eating more well-rounded. Sure. I, I get pretty hyper-focused on taking in enough carbs, basically. I would I would be eating more purposefully, definitely. Gotcha. Yeah. Less th- reactionary, more purposefully. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that that comes at a detriment to you enjoying life? Absolutely. I love food more than anything. Half, half the time I do like excessively long training days is like, yes, I need to build my aerobic base, but is, you know, if I'm adding an extra ride there, I'm sitting there thinking also like, man, I love pizza. I'm, I'm excited for having two, three more slices of pizza here. And even for, even though I'm definitely not a drinker by any means, you know, I mean, me and Cassie enjoy having like a glass of wine, sure. like two, three times a week. I'll have a cider once a week on the weekends, which is great. My tolerance is about one drink. But when they're talking about diet, I know, you know, Phil, I know has talked about this in the past and other guys is they'll take alcohol out for the whole season. Even though that's only two, three drinks a week for me, that's like where I get my evening enjoyment after a 14 hour day. If you told me like, yeah. hey, bud, the wine glass is gone now, I'd be like, you know, this maybe is not worth it. That's yeah. <laughs> the simple pleasures kind of just go out the window, right? Yeah, they do. Cool. So the next one would be health. And this is really specific to road cyclists, but we've talked about this before. Just the fact that cycling is a non-weight bearing sport. Yeah. Luckily for triathlon, I've got this one figured out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your thought on that though, in terms of like Absolute. your health being jeopardized because you're so hyper focused on being fast that you're not doing all the little things that you need yeah. to do to avert from having things like osteoporosis. Yep. So I'm very biased towards running in this aspect in the sense that 
cycling is not a natural sport. Don't get me wrong. Cycling is my favorite sport. But human beings were not made to ride bicycles. Mm -hmm. We were made to run. So I do think if you are running and building your running and getting faster, you're Mm -hmm. building as a healthy person. Now, yes, there are many stories of eating disorders and running and all of that. But the bottom line is those people usually break down at some point. When you look at the long-term good runners, I'll use Bernard Lagat as an example. Great athlete, lean guy, but has always stayed very healthy and always stayed, you know, fast over the years sure when you're doing it right running develops strength and should mm-hmm. doesn't develop this incredible leanness or anything like that or osteoporosis when it's done correctly and you're training right and you're not overtraining and you're you're fueling yourself right running can be very healthy cycling and even i'll say swimming on the other hand if those are the only sports you do they do develop the body differently and whatever your definition of health is. Because whenever we get into these discussions, I would say it depends on what your definition of health is. Yeah, you're going to need to do something else like strength training, running in the off-season, anything. Because mm-hmm. osteoporosis is, you know, you don't want to be breaking your thoracic spine like Vincenzo Nibley did a couple years ago. Gotcha. So, you know, he basically says, and, and I talked about this with Matt, was, uh, you know, set aside some time for yoga, some core work, some stretching, playing with your kids, just being physically active. You know, if oh, you're yeah. going to be hyper-focused on getting do fast on the bike, just, yeah, come over to my house, do, do some yard work. Build a door, <laughs> do, you, you know, woodwork. Me and Cassie have even talked about this. I've been trying to just, I need to start coming up with more random tasks around the house to do because I'm like, I like doing those, but then I get into training and I'm tired. It's like, no, I yeah. need to cut an hour out of training and go and like weed the lawn or, you know, do anything like Cross that. Train, yeah. yeah. There you go. All right, the next one is sleep. How much... Do you think you suffer when it comes to sleep? Do you think you get enough sleep in general? No. You know, for for a while, I thought that I could operate as a good athlete at the pro level off of like seven hours a night. Um, I'm I'm realizing the more that I look at whoop data from guys, a lot of these best guys are actually getting like nine, ten hours a night. Really? It just couldn't. And I mean, and you know the same thing. It's like you as a father and also running your own business here, there's 0% chance you could get nine hours. I had, it was last week like one yeah there was one night i was elated i was so excited because i got seven hours and ten minutes of sleep (laughs) my average no no joke six it's it's about five and a half to six hours a night yeah and yeah see we couldn't i have for trek i just can't sleep that's my problem i just i the morning you back and shoulders all start to hurt and i was like i just get them go drink coffee exactly and this is where you know it's this is very limited by what your life gives you i i do believe your body can adapt to whatever amount of sleep you give it. But when we're yeah. talking about top level performance, yep. that's different. Yep. And that's where, yeah, I probably, I probably lose. So that. for him yeah. though, he was saying that to be fast, um, you do need to have extra sleep, but mm-hmm. a lot of times you're, you're doing yourself a disservice because you're cutting out that sleep so that you can get up early so that you can get that extra oh, yeah. session. And uh, that's doing the, the greatest trade off in that. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're taking away what your body needs and then you're adding extra layers of um, stress to it. Fatigue and stress on yeah. top of it. Yeah. So, that's something that's a problem, and and if you're not so worried about that, and you're putting the uh, the sleep first, that you know, yeah, that's more optimal for you. So absolutely. Um, how about misery? I liked this that, that that he was talking about this. I was just talking about this about somebody. They they were telling me like, God, the Tour de France is boring. This is a patient of mine who runs marathons. Yeah, he's like, Why do you guys watch the Tour de France? And I told him I was like, There is something romantic and historical about how much suffering is in professional cycling. Uh, it, it's in triathlon too. Anybody who wants to watch the tri battle, watch Lionel Sanders in that last 10 K I'm sure, you know, any person could go up and be like, why are you doing this to yourself right now? Yeah, there is. I do believe our brains as uh, I'll say elite endurance athletes. I, I like using that term because I do think your amateur endurance athletes still should not go into this world or mm-hmm. try to go into this world. 
it gets romanticized suffering, like really suffering. This is self-selected suffering. And that's what Phil Guyman always says. Is he says, we're lucky to live in a country where we get to jump on a bicycle and self-select our suffering. Yeah. Instead of, you know, use... Obviously, there are countries in this world where you don't get to choose your suffering. That is very much, Correct. you know. But I do, I do think that there's there's something to that being enjoyable. Yeah, sounds very backwards, but anybody who's ridden a bicycle fast enough for long enough and really suffered around guys around you, guys or gals, there is very much a camaraderie around that. But solo suffering, I think, is where it gets a little different. Sure. That's at the elite level where it's. You go on that workout and you do it by yourself again, 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 and again. And weirdly enough, I do find a lot of happiness in that. I find it's the one thing I can really control throughout my day. It's one thing I can really grasp and yeah. control. My misery comes from, and I'm sure a lot of these guys would agree, is when you're not able to get to those points. Yeah. When the fatigue builds in, when the numbers aren't there, when the workouts suck, and you're suffering, but you're not suffering at that top level. Yeah, I will gladly go to a six-by-one-mile workout if I'm hitting the numbers and welcome all that pain. Love it. Absolutely love sure. it. It feels great. I hate when those numbers aren't there because sleep's not there, recovery's not there, you feel like garbage. So misery, I think, is actually, you know, like, m like misery can be happiness to an endurance athlete. To some people, yes. Yeah, but there is a burnout with that. There's a, you know, too much of a good thing, and that's, yeah. When was the last time you went on a bike ride solely for the purpose to just slowly enjoy yourself and God, take it all in? Uh, last time me, my buddy Kit, and Cassie went on a recovery ride together. It was probably three, four months ago, if not a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> and still, that was built into your regimen of and training. I remember was, that. Oh, it was, yeah, because yeah, I still had to get <laughs> 10 hours that week. So, yeah. Gotcha. All right. Uh, the next one would be time. So, you're doing things that cost, come at the cost of something else that you could be doing. And I know that you got to get with people. So, we'll run through these last ones quickly. Oh, yeah. So, I got five minutes. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that the, the sacrificing of your personal time is worth it to be fast? Oh, that's a great question. You I, of all people, this is probably the best question. I really don't know that answer right now. I honestly do not know that answer. Um, you know, if you ask me in like 30, 40 years, I think I'd say yes, because I do think there's... Yeah. What My my question that even Cassie will ask me and I'll ask myself too is, what else would I be doing? Yeah, there's that. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, don't, I think this is kind of me, to be honest. It kind like, of is. Yeah. Now, I can answer that question for you. I think you're walking a thin line. You're, you're doing a good job of managing it, and you're, you're, you're keeping yourself composed and together, and you're getting results both uh, professionally uh, from a, uh, a work standpoint and, as, and professionally mm -hmm. as a triathlete. You're getting good results. There's going to come a point in time where you're going to get married. You're going to have a little one running around. Yes, this That's where it changes. That's the yeah. paradigm shift right there. Yep. If you because then what else I would be doing would be that schedule. Yeah. You're not going to make time for that little one, and that's where it's all going to go sideways. And you'll understand yeah. it a lot more when that moment comes. You're like, I agree. I yeah. remember the days when I used to, you know, train 25 hours a week and work 60 hours. And da, 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 da. That was a long time ago, and that was yeah. fun. But knowing you, you'll figure out a way to make it work. You'll t you'll turn it down from 25 to 15. You'll still work a I'll, gob of hours, and you'll still be a good dad. I've judged with some buddies so. that I'll I'll probably try to be as fast as I can off like 10 hours a week at some point. Gotcha. But there's, I think I think I'll probably hit the Jake the Jake nine to 10 hour range and and <laughs> sit at that for a long yeah. time. But yeah. All right, and then the last one, um, I'm, I'm going to call this the last one, is going to be the risks. The risks that we take when we get into that race situation, yeah. you know, the the bombing descents or the, yeah. the sketchy corners or, you know, going into something blind. Is yeah. it worth it? And we, we find ourselves doing it. It, it happens. Yeah. It still happens to this day. We might even be by ourselves. We might be on a group ride. We might be in a race. Yeah. We're doing stupid stuff to be fast. Is that risk worth it? See, this is from the road cyclist and triathlete perspective. There's two different looks here. Um 
from the triathlete perspective, it's interesting because very rarely will we take a risk on the bike during a race, just as a triathlete, even if your goal is to win that race. Okay. Cause you're always thinking about the next thing. Yeah. You're thinking like, is it, is it worth going down here to gain two seconds to lose time on the run? So, or, or to not make it to the run if you hit the ground. That is a good point. Cycling is different. So when I was cycling racing, yeah, that two seconds means everything. Cause if you lose the group, it's over. Yeah. So for me, my mindset was never wired to always want to win bike races. When I would go and do bike races, it was, I'm going to sit at the front and hammer myself until the teammate who probably needs to win this stage is going to go and do his thing. Yeah. So from a triathlon perspective, it's actually different to where the risk comes from, okay, in the swim, how deep do I want to go right now? And I always talk about risk for me on the run is because I'm very aware of what I can do to myself in the run. Uh Of the three sports, I do think it's the one sport I can kind of shut my brain off and go to that place where I could probably hurt myself. Gotcha. So risk for me, at least as a triathlete, and I think there's a lot of triathletes I would agree with this on the run as you've developed as a runner over years, you, you have that decision time during run where it's like, okay, it's starting to hurt really bad right now. How much do I want to risk on this day to not make it to that finish line yeah. or to make it there and do well? Um, you know, Des Moines was a decision I had to make where I dropped out. That was going to be bad. And I've had other races where it paid off. You know, you push, push that level and your body sustains and does well. Yep. Are the risks worth it? That's only hindsight being twenty twenty, in gotcha. my opinion. <laughs> okay, so the I guess this will be the last question then. Is being fast pointless? No, being fast is not pointless because there are a lot of people who have developed a lot of speed in their lives, sacrificing a lot of things. And I think that at the end of the day, if you're that person and you can look back and say that was all worth it, then no, it was not pointless. Do you think it's pointless for a professional cyclist? No. You get to see the world. Yeah. You get to do all those things. Phil Guyman wouldn't be Phil Guyman without yeah. professional cycling. And it's a very elite, small, select few group of people. Yeah. They get to be there. Yeah. What about the aspiring people that maybe have some potential or might be faster? What about just for the local hero is being pointless yeah. fast? Or faster, oh, fast, pointless. That's, <laughs> that's closer to where I'd say maybe. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I would say. In some respects, yes. In some respects, Is no, winning so. a cat three race worth your life? Yeah. No. Well, Gaiman, <laughs> Gaiman says it is, and he backs that up by saying you only need to be fast enough to safely enjoy the rides that you do. Yeah, unless that ride's a really, really fast yeah. group ride, and that's worth being fast on. I would, <laughs> I would tend to agree with that, and if the rides that you like to do are a race locally or whatnot, I, yeah. I, I mean, that, that, that works for me. So. That's that's the thing is I think if you got a fast group, then, yeah, it's being fast is is pointful <laughs> until <laughs> as long as you're with that group. Gotcha. Is it worth hammering that group ride every week? Maybe not. Cool. All right, Evan, thank you, sir. Go yes, uh, sir. go fix the people, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. All Thanks, right, see guys. You, bye. And last but not least, let's give Lance a call. Hello. Lance freaking Hepler, how are you? <laughs> What's up? I'm doing good. Not much. Hey. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. Miss you a little bit, bud, but uh, doing good. Where, where are you standing right now? What, what are you looking at? What are you doing? Uh, let's see. I am standing, I am in Disney World at the Animal Kingdom Park, currently standing at a meerkat exhibit and watching these meerkats all stare at us and try to uh, warn each other about not messing with the uh, Lance romance. And there's obviously people and kids all around screaming, and we're going to deal with that for this whole phone call. So, <laughs> uh, Just keep your pants on, all right? 
<laughs> <They're> probably <laughs> keeping trying. a close eye on you. They probably heard about you before, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, so as I've mentioned before, we're all kind of all over the place. So this is a different format. And like Lance said, he is at uh, Disney World in Orlando, Florida, having a good time yep. with the family. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to go through this little article that seems to be recirculating around from uh, Phil Guyman. And I, it, it will touch on maybe why. Um, it actually came out in December of 2019. But I think it's a good article that we still need to kind of come back to every now and then and just kind of do a little bit of a reality check. Um, I'm not sure if you saw that Reddit or whatnot, Lance, but the was the one where he said that being fast is pointless. He would know. Um, uh, did you happen to, to catch that one before or see that? I, I, I perused through it quickly when you sent me the link a few gotcha. hours ago. Okay. So. so I just want to run through each one of the points and, and see what your take is on it. I've already had a chance to sit down and talk with Matt and I've talked with Evan and I kind of got their sense and it's going to be kind of neat to see how these things all kind of compare and contrast with each other. So cool. yeah. the first one, um, we'll just kind of scroll down. Um, well, let's just talk about like why Phil Guyman is saying being fast is pointless. And is that relevant to everybody being fast is pointless? Um, for him, being fast was to try and make it to the world tour level and all of the sacrifices and things that he felt, felt that maybe were a little bit reckless or whatnot that he kind of did through the, the course of his career. And, and now he's saying that you only need to be fast enough to safely enjoy the rides that you do on a regular basis. So... On yeah. that note, I mean, to a certain degree, yeah, you can agree with that. But then when we start to like dig this apart and peel it apart and look, you know, take it off layer by layer, you start to see things like, yeah, I do that. And yeah, I do that. And yeah, that's kind of dumb and, and so on and so forth. So <laughs> let's let's dig into Lance Sapler and see what your thought is. The, the first point that he brings up is the one on diet and talking about all of the micro things and, and whatnots that he's doing just to get to the, the marginal gains of being able to kind of stay ahead of like your recovery and your the inflammation and all the sacrifices that you have to make. Would you say that diet in general is something that's a problem or things that you're, you're sacrificing your own personal life in, uh, in the spirit of just being fast? You know, that's a good question. Um, I probably do that to excess. Yes. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I have not tried to hide the fact that I have been vegan for the last, um, I don't know, year and a half, almost two years. Yeah. And it's actually been, and I think it's probably been about two years that I've been vegan. And, and the point for me to do that was to try to get fat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the whole reason I wanted to do it. It was to help me, um, lose weight was to cut down inflammation. I, I also have a lot of heart disease in my family and I was trying to avoid the heart problems that my father and grandfather have had and so i i figured a vegan diet would help with that and sure. i certainly did that to try to get faster but if i'm on vacation or, or I'm, if i'm i mean i'm not going to completely deny myself just just because i've got a race in six weeks if, yeah. if i got a race in two days i might deny myself something but a race in six weeks i'm i'm i might eat that you know lemon frozen lemonade or something like yeah. that i don't know yeah that was a terrible example <laughs> oh so and on the whole i think what you're doing is good i think it's a healthy thing but i think that there are, it comes to a point where maybe you're starting to dance on the line or flirting with maybe some eating disorders in the, the spirit of getting that watts per kilogram as high as you possibly can by cutting weight um you know there's that and then there's the whole notion of like you said like passing on certain things and not being able to enjoy life because you just are solely focused on being fast. So you're losing a little bit of quality of life potentially. 
Um, right. But, you know, yeah. in the same vein, it's good because maybe you're not overindulging on things like, you know, eating cookies for days and drinking tons of alcohol and, and so on and so forth, you know, and, and yeah. being mindful of your overall health and fitness and wellness and fun stuff. Cool. Um, so let's move on to the next one. Let's talk about health. Do you think that you ever jeopardize or compromise your health in the name or the spirit of going faster on the bike? Yes, I absolutely do. Um, I, I, I've, <laughs> I've joked about this a bit. Now, certainly, one thing that I've done in the last few years is I realized how hard it was on my body to be pushing myself for longer than five or six hours. You know, if I'm pushing for longer than five or six hours, it's, it's, I can tell that it's not good for me. Yeah. Is it good stuff? Oh, they, girl, just went, oh. Oh, sorry. The gorillas just were put away, and I missed it. Thanks, oh, Jake. Sorry, <laughs> I'll send you a video. You'll find one on YouTube. You can watch that. So, um, so yeah, there's. I've realized that about myself, and it's one of the things why when I have raced longer races, if they have a shorter race option for me, I've been doing it. Even though there's, I joke that it's the kitty race, or I'm doing the kitty race, or I'm not. I'm not doing the full meal deal. I'm doing the you know, shorter ones, but you know, that's, uh, I, I'm, I'm okay with that at that stage in my life. Um, one of the things that I do jeopardize myself at, um, is descending. Um, I, I know Phil talked about that directly in his article, but, um, I love to descend fast. I have, I have crashed very badly descending yep. fast. Yep. It still hasn't slowed me down from yeah. doing it. Yep. I don't know if I'm, stupid or have a death wish or that I just really enjoy it. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I think, I think part, a, a big part of it is, and I joke, you know, I've lived a good life. I found to send fast. I'm going to do it <laughs> or I'm going to do it because I feel like I have a clean conscience. I don't yeah. have anything uh, I have to make up for or. Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother, um, point of this article that he touches on and that's risks and we'll get into that more in just a moment but going back into the health component of it um you know he's talking about like the fact that cycling is a non-weight bearing sport and it neglects a lot of the impact that you need in order to to maintain proper bone density and things of that nature so that osteoporosis doesn't become an issue um do you think that there's anything else in the world of health that you're you're compromising um you know maybe like muscle imbalances or poor posture because all you do is hunch over a bike for hours upon hours. I mean, do you think that there's something there? That's, that's a good question. I I've done so much weight bearing exercise throughout my life. Yeah. And I, I clearly don't have a cyclist body. Yeah. I don't have a cyclist body type. I'm a little thicker. Um, my upper body's a little thicker because of all the stuff I've done. And uh, it's just the way my body type is too. So yeah. I don't know that, um, I don't know that I'm jeopardizing that. I also have back issues. Yeah. And, and like weight, like dead, like deadlifts are a great exercise for cyclists. Yeah. Not me. Exactly. I, <laughs> I cannot do deadlifts anymore. You that, and me both. That, yeah. So, you know, I, I have to kind of watch that stuff too. How about those weeks though, where you're getting in 25 hours of riding and then you're just dog tired and you're going home and you're sitting in your spa or you're sitting in your um on your couch or your sauna or whatnot and then you're you're going to bed and you're resting and you're just not getting 
the you know the the proper load on your body do you do you think that that could be an issue if that was something that you were to subscribe to and do long term um yeah i think it probably could be if i'm not doing some kind of weight bearing you know long term gotcha. and yeah all right point taken i don't i personally don't think i do too much yard work and throwing stuff around whenever i can minus my shoulder but yeah i i definitely get a lot of resistance stuff and so it's not an issue for me um let's get into the next one that one being sleep it's uh it's definitely critical for your you know your performance in terms of recovery and your immune system and you know keeping a positive mood about you if you will um yeah but let's talk about like all right well you've got to train and and instead of sleeping in and, and getting that you know magical eight hours of sleep, which I haven't seen in God knows how long you're getting up early and you're going out and you're training and doing interval sessions and you're getting maybe five and a half and six hours of sleep instead, because you're more keen on making sure that you're getting those reps. And do you find that to be an issue for you? Well, I don't, uh, mostly because I don't have a job. Yeah. I think we all kind of, um, alluded to that a little bit to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah. So I, that doesn't really, I mean, I can get up whenever I want to. And certainly sleep has become very important to me. It's become very important to me the last few years. I certainly feel better when I get the right amount of sleep. I'm the one in the group of us that has, you know, I I have the whoop strap that tracks my sleep. I've kind of become addicted to the numbers that um, I look at it. I base a lot of what I do on in the last four or five hours of the day to make sure I get good sleep. Yep. And so it's, that's become an important thing to me. Yep. Um, I don't wake up early to train anymore unless I'm meeting a group of people. Yeah. You know, if there's a specific event that we're doing and, you know, I, I, I even go so far that I don't, I don't drive to races anymore the day of the race, especially if it's, if it's more than like 30 minutes away, I'm not kidding. I drive to the night before and sleep in the parking lot, but I do have a van that allows me to do that. But it, it lets me get way better sleep right the night before the race as well. And I think it's helped my performance, you know, That is of that. such a benefit. Such a benefit. I can think of so many times of getting up at like, you know, 4.30 in the morning so you can start the hydration and the fueling process and, and getting everything packed up because you know you got to leave at like 5.45 so you can drive right. two hours to get to a race that starts at said time. That is a strain in itself on your body. When you can just naturally wake up and know that you've got plenty of time and you've got all your stuff already there with you, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So it's just like it's just like comfortable. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. How about for somebody like Evan? What would you say to Evan when it comes to sleep? You got a guy here that um, you know, he's working fifty, sixty hours a week and he's training twenty to thirty hours a week and he's, you know, trying to be a good fiance and trying to have some social aspects built into his life. And I think that the thing that gets shorted on him the most would be his sleep. What would you say to Evan? It's the time of life. Um, Ev, I hate to say it, but Evan's just going to, he's going to go short on sleep. <laughs> <laughs> if he was, if he was just a pro athlete yeah. and didn't have a career, then that'd be something else. If yeah. he just had the career and wasn't trying to be a pro athlete, then that'd be something else. But I, I mean, I was a, same way except that I wasn't a pro athlete but I worked you know 60 or 70 hours a week for 20 years and I prided myself on the fact that I could get by on four hours of sleep yeah stupid no (laughs) I was like I was surviving I was not thriving on that much sleep you know and so I I 
I hate to say it, but you know, Evans, Evans in the thick of it. He's in the hustle. He needs to be hustling. If he's going to be trying to do both those, both of these things, you know, and, um, sleep's going to suffer. Something's going to suffer. What about so. fast forwarding and talking to future Evan when, uh, he's married and all of a sudden they welcome a little one to this world and he's now going to have to have some choices to make. He's going to have to look at like, all right, I got to be a dad and I got to work and I'm going to try and be a pro triathlete something's going to break, something's going to suffer um, tremendously. And you've famously have said before, you can only do three things. And we can kind of put this into that realm. I mean, something's going to give either he's not going to sleep at all and everything's just going to fall apart or something's going to have to go. What what happens with Evan when he gets to that station in life? Uh, I think his training goes to like 15 or 12 or 10 hours a week instead of 20. That's what I think. He's got to start leaning on those dad watts, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you can't. You don't want to sacrifice your job. You don't yeah. want to sacrifice your family. You have to keep those two things going. Yeah. So yeah, that that, yeah. that lucrative sponsorship, you know, professional yeah. triathlete paycheck is gonna it's gonna suffer for him, but it is what it is, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I agree. All right. So the next one would be misery. Um, just talking about all of the the fantasi- fantasi- fantasizing <laughs> of like you know suffering out there and just being slumped over your bars and just like absolutely killing yourself. Is that worth it? It does that like enhance the sport for you? Does that make things better, or is that something where you sit back and say, "Why did I do that to myself?" Um, I am a "Why did I do that to myself?" <laughs> I it, um, there's there's times for that, and it might be it might be during a longer race for me. That's the only time I will really push that hard. I mean, interval sets. I it just you know. Yeah, if you want to get faster, you want to do interval sets. You got to look at the reasons why you're really yeah. wanting to get faster. Yep. You know, you know, do you have a specific goal in mind, or are you just trying to burn too many candles at once? Yeah. So, it I, there's a time and a place, I think. But there's a I time mean, and a place for when it, you're yeah. trying to do it to earn a paycheck, and you're trying to get in those last couple intervals, you know, Phil says that you know, let me give you permission to skip your last interval and just go home if you want to. I believe I believe he said, if you're a pro athlete, you finish that last interval set. If you're a dentist, yeah, forget <laughs> that he was interval, talking to you. last interval set. <laughs> I said. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, and you know that kind of comes back to the whole thing is like this. I mean, I, I'm sure he was written or when he had this article come out. It was written to speak to like maybe like the pro triathlete, but there are a lot of people that that strive to be like pro triathletes that emulate their their work ethic and that, for all intents and purposes, might be putting in that kind of energy, that work, and that effort. Yeah. And yeah. is that pointless? You know that that's the question. So, in oh. certain respects, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. I you know that's the thing. I mean, I, I've talked about this before, and I, I found in my own life I could only really do three things really well. Mm-hmm. I could either be a good father, a good businessman, or a good athlete. I couldn't be a good father, good businessman, good athlete, good church-going boy. I, I couldn't – I couldn't – I could only, like, juggle three things at once to do really well, you know? I And, and in the same note, I mean – the years where I was really focusing on triathlon, this was 2002 to 2005 or 2006. Those years I was really focused on Ironman, trying to make it to the world championships. And my, my whole business life suffered. My business, my business suffered, my career suffered, and I didn't care so much. I was so focused on just my family, 
and the training. Yeah. And um, it, it kind of hurt things a bit. Then once, <laughs> once I turned back away from, from trying to train like that and focused more on my business, ah, my business took off. I did fantastic. I made a ton of money. It's, it, you know, and, but I also, I gained 60 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. So there, there was a trade-off there and, and I haven't, you know, I wasn't able to really take the weight off properly until I was actually able to turn the other direction and stop working entirely. So, yeah. Well, that, that feeds itself right into the next thing of time. And he basically says that everything you do comes at a cost of something else you could be doing. Um, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that one. I, I could be faster. I could be leaner. I could be more fit. I could train harder. I could do a lot of things, but that would come at a massive penalty to like my family and to this, this work thing that I'm trying to do and maybe some other stuff like being social or being a team director. Right. Right. It's, it's not really worth it. I maybe cycle through it at different times of the year, maybe try and be on point different times of year, but year round, I I just can't do it. I don't have the time. to I, I was saying earlier to Matt, I'm like, I think I'm an okay dad. I don't think I'm a fantastic father of the year kind of thing, but I also don't think I'm the worst. But if I try to dedicate more time to being, you know, faster on the bike, everything would else, everything else would, would suffer. I would, it would suffer. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that I'm trying to still, you know, after doing this for God, a decade and a half, if not longer, I'm still trying to find what that magical number is. And, and at the end of the day, it just kind of ebbs and flows. There's going to be certain times of the year where, yeah, I can get in 12, 13, 14, 15 hours of training. And then there's certain times of the year where it's like, I'm struggling just to get in eight. And for some people that might sound like a lot, but yeah, I, I, right. I, I just think that, you know, you got to know what's important to you. Um, your kids are only around for so long and your relationships with your friends are more important than getting that extra hour or two on the bike. So I'm going to make those sacrifices and that's just kind of where I'm at. So in that respect, I wholeheartedly agree with them. Yeah. I'm with you there. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. The last one, and this one, this one is, uh, your, your name's come up on this one a couple of times, <laughs> the risks, oh boy. the risk component of, um, oh. the stuff that we're doing <laughs> on bicycles. Um, you know, Phil talks about having memories of losing contact with the front group on a climb and then having to catch back on by weaving through team cars and, and, you know, rainy descents and bombing into corners and just going balls out just so that he can catch back on. Um, you know, we talked about you taking some risks that were not necessarily unnecessary, but you're the guy that, you know, clear conscience and free mind or whatever, and you're just going to go bomb it right. because you want to do that. What's your thought on that? Well, that's, that's the thing. Uh, I, I take way more risks than I, than I should. And I know yeah. it. Um, but I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a different spot where I don't have to make money because of my, body at the moment yeah (laughs) (laughs) so if i injured myself i I, whatever it is taking those risks is stupid especially for a master's athlete i know that i realize that but i can't turn it off you know that's what i was saying too it's like a switch in your brain that you just it gets turned on or turns off or whatever and you just still go out there and do it and you'll you'll think about it in retrospect you'll go back and you'll look at your uh, your ride profile and like really i hit you know 50 some odd miles an hour going down that descent and i went into that corner that fast and i took this kom on a descent like why did i do that but why did i do that in the moment it all makes perfect sense you know exactly what you're doing and why you're doing it it's fun and it's those rare times where there's a rock in the road right but you (laughs) But you turn around and yeah, it makes it a whole different thing for sure. I, I don't know. I guess I just don't have, 
Yeah, I, I'm. I take way too many risks. I'm fully aware of that. Is it but, worth it? Uh, probably not. For what reason? No. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> the only times it has been worth it is because I've taken those risks descending. I've gotten more comfortable and more sure. I, I've gotten more comfortable at descending or 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 picking lines to to safely do it. Yeah. You know, people joke. You know. That boy, Lance, you sure do crash a lot. I've heard that before, you know, because I have crashed a lot, but most of my crashes are slow speed, easy. You know, they're not, I'm, I haven't really been injured badly except for one time descending Palomar Mountain two years ago. So I haven't really been injured badly, you know, but because I've done all that descending, it made my skill at descending much better. Sure. So, yeah. Grant, we get into a gravel race and I'm so much more comfortable descending quickly, even on a gravel bike, that I've won a race because of it. Sure. I, you know, twice, the Cascade Gravel Grinder, there were two stages that that I won, not based on my descending skill, but it, it helped me pull away from my competitors, you know, yeah. because of my descending skill. That just reinforces the fact for me that it was, that that's part of my skill set, and so I'm okay with taking risks on a descent sure i still don't think it's smart yeah and in the same breath too i mean during the course of a year we're gonna have 300 plus rides that we're gonna log that's a lot of rides and if you are having people that are maybe not your you know your, your cyclist per se maybe it's just people that know you or maybe they're very casual and they maybe get on a bike a handful of times a year and they see that you've crashed like three or four times this year when you do the math yeah. and you look at the style of riding you do and the sheer number of hours and miles and in, in, in sessions you're putting in, we, we've always said it's not a matter of if but when you're going to have a go down. You know, when you right. start to look at it statistically speaking, it's not that bad. I mean, if you're crashing once a week, I'd have to pull you aside and say, Lance, come on, <laughs> let's get yeah. you some training wheels, bud. But that's not yeah, the case. I mean, yeah. you've you know, you've proven that you've got some skills on the bike and when I've watched you do it and, you know, from time to time, yeah, you're gonna have a little stupid little like fall over in the bush or something like that and have a good laugh about it. But you know, the big serious ones, I, I've only known you to have really the, just the one Palomar incident that really like did a number on you. It has anything else in the God, almost six years that I've known you has, has there been any other crashes no. other than that? No, but, everything else has been skin. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And so in the grand scheme of things, you really don't crash that much, and you take a lot of risks. So, again, it's calculated. You've come out the backside pretty good, and we always joke that you've got that luggy rabbit's foot that you keep in your jersey pocket. But uh, <laughs> you got, you got you know, there. it is yeah. what it is. But what, what would your advice be to somebody that is newer to the sport or somebody that's oh. kind of in this paradigm of, like, I want to get faster and I want to keep up with the group and I'm going to go and take the, take the chances to try and do my thing? What are you going to say I, to them? Uh, I, if you're not in a life point where risk, where there's many, many other people relying on you, yeah. I, I don't know that I would take those risks. Yeah. I, I mean, I would not recommend what I'm doing to a lot of other people, yeah. you know, because just it, life, life, you know, your point in your life is going to be different than where mine is. Gotcha. So. Yeah. And it's always a calculated risk and you got to know the cards that you're dealt and you got to know your skills. You got to know what your abilities are and stay within those abilities. Don't push it so much that you are constantly putting yourself in harm's way. You know, yeah. There are people that do crash a lot and it's because they're trying to do things that maybe that's not necessarily something that they're ready to do yet. Maybe they need to back it off or, you know, figure out some sort of way to, to fine tune those, those skills. I will say because I've crashed a lot, I, I'm, I'm much better at handling my bike. I mean, 
I, I did like what 20 mountain bike races yeah. over the last, you know, four months. And I only crashed in like one of them, like mountain bike races, which is pretty rare. I yeah. don't, I, I mean, I, I just got way better at handling the bike too, just because of all that. Yeah. So. Very cool. So anyway. final question for you and we'll let you get back to your meerkats. <laughs> uh, all right. Is being fast pointless? Uh, for a master's athlete, yep. You think so? <laughs> <laughs> you know, Phil did say you only need to be fast enough to safely enjoy the rides that you do. Would you agree with that? Correct. I do agree with that. So, and then taking it beyond that, that is probably pointless because you're a master's athlete and there's no sense in being that fast. Or you're going to give up so much more for that extra 5% that it's, it's not going to matter so much yeah you well, know if you can retire early and your kids are all gone and you're not running around to soccer and you've got the ability to drive to events and sleep in your adventure van and, and you can train accordingly then maybe being a little bit faster maybe the you, know, you can move that the bar up a little bit higher in terms of what we're saying is uh reasonable but on the whole um that that's your that's your point is that yeah that, that's where i'm at gotcha yep. cool well i appreciate it you're uh how much longer are you going to be down there in the old Disney World? You're on day um, three right today, now? Today's, um, yeah, we're on day three at Disney World. Today's the last day. Then we're headed to southern Florida for to visit some family for a few days. And then my wife are going to slowly make our way back across the country. Take cool. a couple weeks. Nice. Hey, so. quick question for you. When was the last time you logged on to YouTube oh. to check the Dowd Cycling Channel? Have you checked that recently? No. No? You want to take a stab at where we're at right now? You mean how many how many subscribers? Yeah. What are we at? Like, are we at nine hundred now? Keep going. What? Is a thousand? Have we broken a thousand? We are sitting at currently, as we uh, talk right now, at nine hundred and ninety nine. <laughs> we need one more subscriber to break a thousand. Somebody, please subscribe to our Dialed Cycling channel on the YouTube's. It. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. It, um, it, it's been creeping up lately and uh I've, I've been working on another video that will get posted up here pretty soon but um yeah it's kind of fun to see that it's hitting that 1k mark is kind of cool so not too bad for okay. a couple knuckleheads that started doing this late last year <laughs> i all, know yeah, i love it it's all funny fun, fun awesome. time so cool all right well i'll let you get back to your family time say hi to everybody we will catch you when will you do. get back and hopefully maybe touch base with you next week and find out where you're at in the world all right jake Thanks, all right buddy. Nice. take care bud talk to you soon Bye. Bye. All right. On that note, we are done. That is it. We will be back next week for another fun podcast, hopefully a normal podcast. We appreciate you listening. Until then, bye for now.